I've been podcasting since Valentine's Day 2020, every week for almost 10 months. I haven't promoted my podcast by purchasing ads. All of my promotion has been organic through the emails that I send to my subscribers and through the updates I post to social media. People are also finding the Professional Writer podcast through Google searches and through word of mouth. After 10 months of podcasting, I have just recently begun to see a significant uptick in my listenership and new clients have begun contracting with me who decided to hire me after listening to my podcast and feeling as if they're getting to know me, like me, and trust me. So let's talk for a minute about what I call the know, like, and trust factor. That's a common marketing industry adage that states that before someone will hire you or buy your book or buy your stuff, they need to feel as if they know you, they like you, and they trust you. Now, here are five ways that that know, like, and trust factor kicks in. It happens when your audience reads your blog or listens to your podcast for a few months and they begin to feel confident that you consistently deliver the exact type of content they are looking for. It happens when someone subscribes to your email list and they look forward to receiving the fresh, interesting, inspiring content that you send them on a regular basis. It happens when someone lurks in your private Facebook group or participates in your five-day challenge or your 30-day challenge, whatever it happens to be, and they make significant headway in achieving their goals because of the encouragement and support and teaching that they're getting within your group. The no like trust factor happens when someone watches your mini video series or when they attend your webinar or when they join your group coaching program. It also happens when they follow you on social media and they begin commenting on or sharing your content. Over time, your audience is going to begin to feel as if they know you personally. And they might even begin to feel as if you're good friends, even though you've never met in person. When I said in last week's episode that social media marketing is a marathon, not a sprint, I wasn't kidding. Growing your audience, growing your reach, growing your referrals to your website and your blog can feel like an absolute slog at times. Okay, most of the time it can feel that way. But if you know your audience and you generously seek to meet their needs, you will see results. I promise you that. I'm Laura Christensen and welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes as well as a transcript for today's episode and a link to join our private Facebook community at bloggingbistro.com. Now, this is part four of a four-part series on the secret to doing social media. During the past four weeks, we have been practicing shifting our mindset from the excuse-making mindset of, I don't have time to do social media, I'm too busy. We're shifting that to developing a habit of consistently creating content and posting it to at least one social media channel. I think that it's really similar to the process that you would go through when you're developing a routine of exercising your body daily. We, friend, are exercising our social media muscles daily. So how do we go about shifting that mindset? Well, let me just give you a recap of some of the things that we have been working through during the past four episodes. In part one of this series, which was episode 39, we talked about how each of us is allotted 168 hours per week. 
In order to develop our social media muscles, we need to identify exactly how we are using that 168 hours. And only then can we begin to recognize our time-wasting activities and eliminate some of those. When we eliminate the time-wasting activities, at least one time-wasting activity, that is going to allow more room in our day to schedule social media time. And yes, I do mean schedule social media time. In episode 39, I introduced you to three methods that you can use for prioritizing your social media time and adding it to your daily calendar. We discussed the 2190 rule in which you commit to a personal or professional goal for 21 straight days. And that's because it takes about three weeks to begin forming a new habit. And then to solidify that habit for the next 90 days after that first 21 days, keep at it, gradually adding a minute or two to your social media routine. In part two, episode 40, which is titled Create Winning Social Media Content, I urge you to begin thinking about everything you post on social media. That includes everything you post to your personal profiles as well as to your business accounts as part of your writing portfolio or your business portfolio. People are watching how you present yourself professionally and personally on social media much more closely than you might imagine. We also discussed the importance of intimately knowing the needs of the community you serve and then finding ways to generously serve them. We identified our core income streams or our areas of influence if we're not currently earning an income, and we began developing content to put into six different content buckets. Changing up the type of content that we publish on social media, it keeps our account fresh and it keeps it lively. In part three, episode 41, and the title for that one is Efficiently Published Social Media Content, we explored the difference between the sprint mentality and the marathon mentality of doing social media. You learned why one common sprint mentality practice, and that is the practice of auto-publishing links to your latest blog post, is a bad idea. I showed you some workarounds that I use for adapting one piece of handcrafted content and publishing it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. Then we talked about the importance of sharing promotional content multiple times, not just once. No one and done is allowed. Sharing that promotional content, when I say promotional content, I'm talking about maybe something that would promote a blog post that you've done or a podcast episode or your book or something that you are selling. It's important to share that promotional content multiple times. And we also talked about how social media schedulers are huge time savers, particularly when it comes to sharing promotional content several times. And then I introduced you to 14 popular social media scheduling tools that you can research and find one that works really well for you. During the last three weeks, we have created a master plan for managing our social media, and we have begun forming a habit of consistently posting content that contributes to the growth of our business. I realize that there is a lot to take in, and at this point in the series, you might be feeling just slightly overwhelmed. My suggestion is to view social media as one component of the marketing plan for your business. And that component can be as big or as small as you want it to be. Every episode in this series includes a complete written transcript in case you'd rather read or listen while you read. I suggest that you go back and review part one, that's episode 39, and work 
only on the massive action steps that I recommended in that episode. Then when you feel as if you have a handle on them, move on to episode 40 and begin implementing those action steps. Do the action steps in episode 41 only after you begin getting some mastery over the actions that you took in episodes 39 and 40. And the same goes for episode 42. Each of these episodes builds on the previous one. So I feel that it's important that you do the steps in order. And I think that you're going to find that putting your master plan into place is much easier and more logical if you do the steps in order. Another important thing to remember is that you don't have to be active on all the social networks. That is one pressure that a lot of us put on ourselves unnecessarily. You do not have to be active on all the social networks. My suggestion, especially if you're just starting out, is to choose one. Choose one network, the one that you feel most drawn to, because that's the one that you're most likely to use consistently, and also choose one where your ideal audience hangs out. So don't choose a network where you're not going to find your ideal audience at all. Choose the one where they hang out, and hopefully that's also the same one that you feel drawn to and are most likely to use. Then for the next 90 days, focus on that network. Learn the ropes. Find some online tutorials that show you how to use the different features of that network. There are loads of great tutorials out there. And then seek to achieve a higher level of mastery on that network than you currently have. You may be just now setting up your account or a business page on that network, and that is 100% fine. So learn it, use it consistently, pulling content from those six content buckets that we created, and post to that network several times a week. After three months, if you have the energy and the motivation to add a second network, that's the time to add a second network. But for now, just start with one. An important part of using any social network consistently is interacting with your followers. Yes, creating and posting content is definitely critical, but letting your followers know that you're there and you're interested in them is just as critical. Word of mouth is the best marketing tool, period. Check the social media accounts that you're actively committed to using either throughout the day or at a set time each day so you can make sure that you're engaging with your peeps in a timely manner. In addition to interacting with your ideal target audience, actively create and maintain relationships with clients, with partners, and with leaders in your niche. If you have, for example, a collaborative partnership with a publishing house, make sure that you follow their social media accounts. Join their group. Maybe they have a private Facebook group. Watch what they do, leave thoughtful comments on their accounts, and share some of their posts with your followers. This often leads to them noticing you and sharing your content, which gets your name in front of a larger audience. In some cases, it leads to them contacting you personally and inviting you into a relationship. I have seen this happen in my own life many, many times. I have had fruitful collaborations with people who I have met on social media. I've had offers to be a guest blogger or a podcast guest. I've had offers to speak at an event. I've had offers to do paid writing gigs, offers to promote my services inside their private groups offers to team up to provide training and workshops, and inquiries that led to a social media follower becoming a client. Show some love to your followers, your readers, and your clients. 
No matter how famous or infamous or infamous your follower, they are a person. And all of us crave recognition. All of us crave pats on the back. So follow their social media accounts and make an effort to engage with and to share relevant updates that they post. You also want to respond to people who engage with your posts. So continue developing the know, like, and trust factor by responding to incoming social media messages, to comments, to likes, to shares. Here's something to remember about responding to comments and likes and shares. Don't feel obligated to respond to all of them. Depending on how much activity your channel receives, that is probably not feasible or realistic. For example, if your posts get dozens or hundreds of comments, choose a cross-section of responses to comment on in response. You don't have to comment on all of them, just choose a cross-section. And then you can choose another cross-section in that same thread to like or leave what's called a reaction on. You know, the thumbs up or the hug or the frowny face or whatever it happens to be. When you respond to content you post that gets a lot of comments on it, the key is to assure your audience that you're there and that you are listening to them. Now, what happens if people are not engaging with your posts? This is a common problem on social media. If your social channel receives very few or even zero comments, try not to get discouraged. Just because people don't comment does not mean they aren't paying attention. Here's how most of us use social media, just to kind of give you an example of what I'm saying here. Typically, we log into our account and then we scroll through our feed and we'll stop now and then to like a picture or like a post. And then occasionally we'll read an entire post as well as all the comments that are underneath it. When I'm scrolling through my feed, and I'm just gonna use Facebook as an example because that's the network I use most often, I will post a comment to perhaps one out of every 20 or even one out of every 50 posts I read. And I think that my behavior is fairly typical of many social media users. Most of us don't comment on every post we read. We comment on our favorite posts. We comment on posts that strike a strong emotional chord, either positive or negative. And we comment on the accounts of people that we love or admire or want to get to know better. In like manner, as content creators, we can't expect our followers to like or share or comment on every one of our posts. It's just not realistic. Here's where your social channel's insights come in really handy. Let's say that you post content on your Facebook page that features a graphic that you've created or a picture, and it links to one of your blog posts. Your Facebook post gets between zero and three likes, shares, or comments, and you wonder whether anyone's seeing it. If it's on your Facebook page and you're not paying, like buying advertising or what's called boosting the post, and that's one type of Facebook advertising. So if it's on your Facebook page and you're not paying to have that post distributed to a greater audience, chances are that between zero and 3% of your followers are seeing it zero and three percent. I've heard actually recently it has gone down to two percent. So zero to two percent of your followers typically see an organic, in other words, a non-paid post on your Facebook page. So let's run some numbers here. If your page has say 5,000 followers or likes and your post reaches three percent, so we're going on the high end here, if your post reaches three percent of your 5,000 followers, that means that 150 people will see it. 
how many of those 150 people that see your post in their newsfeed are going to take the time to like it, to comment on it, or to share it? Maybe 1% of them. How many people is that? One out of 150? That's 1.5 people to be exact. So we'll just round up to two. Two people are likely to take the time to like it, comment on it, or share it. That's when your page has 5,000 followers. You can run the numbers based on how many followers your Facebook page has. If your page has 100 followers and your organic non-paid posts reach 3% of your followers, that means that only three people are likely to see your post in their newsfeed. I know these numbers are extremely discouraging, but that's the way Facebook currently works. And Instagram is quickly heading in the same direction. You want to arm yourself with as much statistical information about your social accounts as you can because the numbers usually don't lie. So here are some things that I recommend that you do. Check your social media analytics once a week or so to see what's working and then what you can trim from your strategy. All the major social networks offer their own analytics tracking, so be sure to check the analytics tracking on the network itself. I'm going to include links to these in the show notes, but I will just run through them for you really quickly here. Facebook has what's called Insights for Pages, and to get to Insights for Pages, and that is business pages, not your personal account. Insights for Pages, you just simply click the Insights tab on your Facebook page. That's easy, right? Instagram has what's called insights for business accounts. Twitter has what's called Twitter analytics. And Pinterest has Pinterest business analytics. And those are for business accounts only. Here is some of the information that you are likely to get when you check your analytics on a particular social network. And this varies a little bit depending on the network. So these are just kind of generalizations of the types of information that you'll get. You're going to get a summary of your account's activity over the past week or the past month. And in some cases, you can customize the date range that you want to see the summary of. You'll get an overview of the content that you posted that week or during that time period. You'll see the page views. You'll get information about the post reach, which is the estimated number of people who saw any of your posts at least once during the week. You'll see your content interactions. And depending on the network, that's also called engagement, actions, or activity. So what kind of activity is taking place on those posts that you have published? Reactions, likes, shares, comments, retweets, and clicks. You'll also see how many people viewed your profile or clicked a link in your profile that leads them to an outside website, usually your website or your blog. You will also see the total number of followers that your page has, plus the number of followers gained or lost during that time period. During your weekly analytics review, here are some questions that you can ask yourself as you're reviewing those different reports that you get. What kind of content is getting shared? Refer to episode number 40 for more information on content buckets. What kind of content is dead in the water? Are my followers discussing anything new or exciting that I can tap into and develop future content that I'll publish to that social channel? That's your weekly analytics review. Also, once a month, I encourage you to take a deeper dive into your analytics. And here are some questions you can ask during that monthly deep dive. How often did I post to this network this month? By what percentage did my follower count change, either up or down? 
how much referral traffic did I get to my website or my blog from this social network? And I'll explain how to monitor that in just a minute. Which posts or categories of posts perform the best or the worst? What got shared the most? What type of content is working the best? Should I rethink my participation in this social network? During your monthly deep dive into your analytics, you'll also want to check your Google Analytics to see how much referral traffic you receive to your website or your blog from each social network that you use. I covered how to do this in episode number 35, which is titled Three Easy Tricks to Help People Discover Your Website and Blog. But here's a quick recap for how to do this. You log into your Google Analytics account and click the Acquisition tab. Then under all traffic, you'll want to click channels. And one of those channels is titled social. The social channel is going to show you how many people visited your website from social networks such as Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, or LinkedIn. So if you are trying to decide which social channels to put more effort into and which ones that you might want to let go of, this information from Google Analytics is going to be very helpful to you. Finally, you'll want to adjust your goals as you go along. So during that monthly deep dive, if you discover that you fell short of your social media goals, figure out why. Let the analytics help you figure out why. Then adjust your goals for the next 90 days accordingly. So you're setting new social media marketing goals every 90 days, every three months. If you surpassed your goals, congratulations. It might be time to add another social network or you might think about adding a new team member, hiring a virtual assistant to help you with your social media marketing. Establishing realistic social media habits is absolutely foundational to presenting yourself as a professional writer. You can apply these habits not only to social media, but also to all of the ways that you market your writing-related business. If you'd like additional input from me on how to build the know, like, and trust factor, or how to create an online marketing plan for your business, or how to use Google Analytics, or any of the things that I've talked about in the last four episodes in this series, schedule a quick chat with me. And you'll find a link to that in the show notes for episode 42. What we'll do during our quick chat is spend 15 minutes getting to know each other, and I'll give you some suggestions on the next steps that you can take. What do you have to lose, really? Our quick chat is no obligation, it's completely free, and it might be the most valuable 15 minutes of your day. This final episode in our series on social media marketing is going live on November 30th, 2020, just in time for the holidays. I am going to be taking a podcasting break during December, but here's the good news. I'll be publishing two blog posts in December. You are going to want to watch for five ways to post to Instagram from your desktop. That is one of those conundrums that I've had for many years because I am not very good with posting to Instagram from my phone. So I needed to find some workarounds for that. And I've come up with five really good ways to post to Instagram directly from your desktop computer. Also coming during December, you won't want to miss my 2021 content calendar. I give away a new calendar every year and it is always my most popular post and giveaway of the year. If you are not already signed up for my email list, just head on over to bloggingbistro.com and sign up. I'll send you a notice when those posts get published and you'll also get my free quick start guide, Essential Tools for Running a Writing Business. 
In the Professional Writer Podcast community, I'm going to be doing a free Facebook Live mini training during December on common scams that hackers use to access your website and your personal information. If you haven't already joined our free Facebook group, just go over again to bloggingbistro.com. You'll find a link right there in the show notes and you can join the group. On January 4th, 2021, the Professional Writer Podcast will return to the airwaves, and I am so excited about this. I am going to be featuring interviews with professional writers on these topics. We've got easy stretches and exercises for sedentary writers. I love that topic. Writers kind of are sedentary people, aren't we? And we need some good exercise tips that we can actually even sit at our desk and do to kind of get the blood flowing. We have another interview on non-writing activities that are going to make you a better writer. So ways to really flex that creativity muscle. We have interviews upcoming for writing for children one on discovering your perfect client, one on how to put your reader first, how to plan an ebook launch, how to communicate with your editor. We have another one called Hooked on Audiobooks, and this one will be really fun. It is from the perspective of an audiobook listener. So if you are a writer and you are considering converting your book into audiobook format, I think you'll find this episode particularly informative and intriguing because it's from the perspective of someone who listens to loads of audiobooks. And then we have another interview coming up on how to become a book reviewer. Now, that is a lot of stuff in the hopper, and so I am taking the month of December, and I'm going to be editing these interviews. Yes, I am a one-woman podcaster, so I do the writing, the recording, the editing, the whole ball of wax, and it is fairly time-consuming. I need a little bit of downtime to get all these interviews edited, and also I'm going to be planning several upcoming solo episodes, and I have some courses that I'm planning, just all kinds of stuff that I'm going to be working on during December. I think that December can also be the time for you to get caught up on all 42 episodes of the Professional Writer Podcast. I recommend that you go back to episode number one, which is titled, Do You Have to Write Books to Be a Real Writer? And listen or re-listen to all of them. The average length of the episodes is 23 minutes. So plug in those earbuds, go for a walk around the block, and then take in an episode or two while you're exercising. Here are some of the most popular episodes to date in case you're looking for just a few and you want to pick and choose a few to listen to. My top five interview episodes, that's where I had a guest on that I interviewed, are episode number 13, Giving Readers Exactly What They Want with Karen Barnett. Episode 15, Expert Tips for Your Book Launch with Kathy Lipp. Episode 36, Two Issues That Hold Writers Back with Ginny Weitrup. Episode 25, One Word Makes All the Difference with Susie Crosby. And episode number 20, Get It Said, Shut Up, Post with Tim Fall. And then I also have my five top solo episodes. That's ones where, like this one, where I'm narrating it myself and I don't have a guest. That would be episode number three, Going All In. I love that. That's one of my favorite episodes too. Episode number 12, Setting Big, Hairy, Audacious Goals. Episode 19, Three Irritants That Pull Readers Out of a Story. Episode 35, Three Easy Tricks to Help People Discover Your Website and Blog. 
and episode 26, Three Tools to Protect the Privacy of Your Business. Okay, so during December, you have a lot of listening that you can be doing if you so choose. Thanks so much for listening to the Professional Writer Podcast. Be sure to mark your calendar for January 4th, 2021, when I will be back with you to help you start the new year of business building off right. Until then, I wish you a safe, healthy, restful holiday season.